and welcome to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, where we explore God's Word, not simply to learn more about the Bible, but to consider how to apply its wisdom. I'm your host, Svea Mary, and each week I'm joined by talented women from our congregation. We invite you to imagine yourself sitting here with us, enjoying a great discussion as friends about God and how His Word helps us take our next steps to become the women God intends for us to be. Today, we've got some great material to cover in Ephesians, and I am excited to have a great gal here with me to do it. Welcome back to the podcast, Heather Henderson. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, it's been a little while. It has been. And I've been looking forward to this for quite some time me now. Me too. And, uh, you know, this episode is airing in March, but we're actually recording this on Valentine's Day, which is kind of fun to look over, and I see you in your red glasses and... <laughs> We're going to be talking about uh, some sections on wives and husbands that seem to mesh with the, mm-hmm. with the Valentine's Day theme of love. Uh, but importantly, because of the love that God has shown us, and uh, what a beautiful thing we've seen in this book of Ephesians, mm-hmm. how, how it's because of God's love that He has saved us by grace, and, uh, and now we've been called to live out that love. Yeah. So I'm delighted to have you here to talk through this Thank with me. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Um, Before we get into the passage for today, which is the second half of chapter five and the beginning of chapter six, I want to just put this into context a little bit, because as we've seen over the weeks, the first three chapters of Ephesians really lays out some beautiful theology of who we are in Christ, that we were chosen by the Father as recipients of grace to be adopted into his family, and then to be inheritors of every spiritual blessing. And then as we've moved forward on that, we've seen that chapters four through six really walk us through more of what it looks like to live out our lives in light of what Christ has done for us. And we've been saying over the last couple of weeks that in chapter four and chapter five, the very first verses of those chapters serve as a great foundational framework for how to understand everything else in those chapters. And today is no exception to that. We're going to still hang on to the beginning of chapter four and chapter five for understanding what we're about to talk about. So Heather, could I ask you maybe to uh, to flip back a couple pages in your Bible back to chapter four and just remind us about some of those verses? Would you read for us chapter four, verses one through three? I'm happy to. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because you are because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Mm, thank you. What translation is that, by I'm the way? I'm sorry. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Oh, that's a really nice one. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I, I just think those verses are so helpful. In fact, I've, I've got those written up on my office wall right now just oh, to you? remind me of this is what it looks like, um, according to Paul, to live a life worthy of the incredible gift that God has given us, mm-hmm. that we want to be people who are completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another and making every effort to keep united in uh, uh, through the spirit and the bond of peace. Yes. Um, it's just really, it, it's very, it's been very impactful to me to think of that being the filter 
through which God is looking at I us. I really love that. It really set, it, you're right. It does set the stage for, for what's to come next. Yeah. And, and what came next in chapter five last week, we looked at the first half of chapter five. Uh, and, uh, you know, do you want to do the same thing for us? Read us verses one and two. Yep. Happy to. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Mm-hmm. I just love how these two chapters start off. Uh, with this picture of what it looks like, what we're called to, to imitate God Mm -hmm. in love and to be people who look like that. So I'd suggest that these two, the beginning of these two chapters really serve as as helpful rails for us to stay on. These are kind of like the left and right train tracks to keep us on track. Um, So now as we begin to look a little bit more about what this looks like in our personal relationships, we have this as a helpful, helpful framework for us. Because I think... If it, it's maybe a, um, I don't want to say it's a mistake, but it's pretty typical of people to take this section, especially on husbands and wives, and mm-hmm. kind of lift it out. Yep. And treat it as its own, almost a mini marriage manual. Right. And you, you just can't do that. And I think we, I mean, you can think of this in the way of a letter. If you receive a letter in the mail, do you just read one part of it and take a, I mean, you're completely <laughs> taking it out of context. And I think a letter like this was meant to be read as a whole and understood yeah. as a whole. It is one letter. Yeah. Um, communicating a very consistent message. Yeah, it absolutely. Well said. And I think if we see what Paul is doing in chapters four, five, and six, he's kind of started at this 50,000 foot view of mm-hmm. we, we brought Jews and Gentiles together to live as one united body of believers in the unity of Christ. And he's looking at this overarching big thing of the church. And then he began to zoom in a little bit more about the body and how do you relate to people yeah. in your fellowship, in your church? How do we deal with conflict? How do we deal with sin? How do we deal with anger? How do we speak to each other? Yeah. And now we're about to zoom in even closer. So close. Like this is now going within our own household. Yeah. (laughs) This is when it gets really personal. (laughs) Absolutely. In fact, you know, this is, are you living these things out behind closed doors? Yeah. Yeah. There's no one holding you accountable at home. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) most of us can do pretty well putting on a game face when we're at church or or out in the public for a little while. We... we, uh, most yep. of us have some enough <laughs> energy to to give it our best. But, I know. But and who I love are to we at think home? Like this, this part of the letter, I mean, this whole letter was probably read aloud to a group of people. So you have husbands and wives and children and, and slaves all together mm-hmm. listening to yeah. this same message at the same time. Yeah. I wonder if there was any like gentle elbowing in the ribs, <laughs> like, this is for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, there probably was, but I think we all do well when we read challenging things like this to keep the spotlight on ourselves. Of course, of course. I just wonder. I could see it going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it could. But 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 with that idea of keeping the light shining mm-hmm. on ourselves, you know, last week we talked a little bit about light and darkness, and yeah. so this is a good opportunity for us to keep that light on ourselves. Who are we when we are behind closed doors? Mm. Are we people of integrity that are continuing to live lives of being completely gentle, patient, forbearing, peaceful, united? Are we being that way with our spouse? It's a great question. Yeah. Well, in light of that, why don't we uh, read this first section to wives and husbands? Heather, do you want to read verses 22 to the end of that chapter? I will. I'm going to start in 21 because I feel like it helps bring it in. 
Yeah. A little bit. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Thank you, Heather. You're welcome. I think it's helpful, too, to read both sides of that in in, uh, unity. (laughs) I think so, too. I think so, too. It helps to see the whole picture. It's not just this one section of, you know, which has been taken out of context and used incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Wives, submit to your husbands. (laughs) Well, and I I appreciate how the New Living Translation that you're reading from there um, maybe makes that a little bit more evident when you start with verse 21. Mm-hmm. Um, it's undeniable that Paul is calling all of us, all Christians, all exactly. believers to submit out of reverence for Christ to one another. And so what Paul is doing here is showing this is what it looks like for wives in this context. Uh-huh. Here's what it looks like for husbands in this context, um, rather than than going maybe on a side tangent of the theology of marriage and oh different opinions that yeah. are there. I think it's just helpful to, to look at it from that perspective. I think it's such a beautiful picture of just mutual submission, a, a partnership almost, I guess you would say, and just what it would look like to see a healthy marriage of mutual submission where it's like a dance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we start a little bit towards the end of that passage, where it finishes in verse 32 uh, with this profound mystery mm-hmm. about Christ and the church, um, this is an example of where I think taking this passage out of context makes that so much more confusing yes. than Paul would have intended for it to be. The, the word mystery has appeared a few times already in Ephesians. We saw it all the way back in chapter 1 in the first episode when uh, chapter 1 verse 9, it spoke of God making known to us the mystery of his will. And then in chapter 3, we saw, again, the mystery has been made known to us. And it was all about how the gospel, through the gospel, the Gentiles are, are now heirs together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've spoken earlier on this on the podcast about how when Paul uses the word mystery, he doesn't mean something we can't understand right. or something that's unknowable, but rather it's been very clear that this mystery has been made known. It's something that was maybe um, hidden from us or not yet revealed that now we know. Mm-hmm. And, and we know now that this mystery, as Paul has already told us, is this unity of all believers b- being brought together in Christ. Yes. And and again, if Paul has taken this, this large 50,000 foot view and then begin to zoom in, we're seeing husbands and wives in our relationships together as a picture of unity. 
Yes. Um, and and our relationship to Jesus as well. I mean, there's there's unity within the body. Um, but I love the picture of, of how Christ cares for his church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was an element that I did, I looked at because I was curious. Um, verse, let's see here, 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And I had to look at that a little bit because mm-hmm. I was like, what exactly does that mean? So I looked up a little bit of what is this Middle Eastern culture of, of some sort of bridal bath, really? Mm-hmm. Like, what would that look like? And mm-hmm. um, and also in having conversations with, with one of my friends who is uh, Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much about that process, about what they do to prepare ourselves to be holy and blameless is very similar in this in this imagery of being washed clean, of mm. all the different steps that are taken to remove impurities and to even out skin tone, mm. um, to, to be a radiant presentation. Huh. And so when I was reading through that and I, I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is so, this is so unique that it's in here. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that was such a beautiful picture of, of the way that we are to be prepared for Christ. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. Yeah. And you know and that the, the that particular example is kind of an intimate example. Mm-hmm. And and yet that's that should be a goal of all of our godly community and fellowship is we want to be building each other up, to be edifying, to yeah. be helping each other become holy and blameless before Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, I totally agree. <laughs> I think it's interesting how Paul uses the words head and body here in this passage. Mm. And, uh, you know, you notice um, in the section to wives, when it talks about in verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife. And then later in the section under husbands, talking about the way uh, that he does present her to himself and loving his wife as his own body. Head and body are, are things that are very dependent on each other, aren't they? They go together, typically. <laughs> you, you cannot have a head without a body or a body without a head. Right. <laughs> and, and so in this picture of the necessity of unity and coming together and being united, we need mm-hmm. head and body to be mm-hmm. working together in a united way. United is a great word for that. <laughs> <laughs> Things go wrong. Typically. <laughs> if they're not there. <laughs> Um, another thing that I think is really kind of beautiful, remember, we've talked about the the framework mm-hmm. that we want to interpret all of this letter through. And uh, and if the framework for chapter five is those first couple of verses about being an imitator of God, because we are dearly loved children, living a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as that fragrant offering, we see that echoed. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, don't we? We do. It's it's very similar language. Yeah, yeah. Verse twenty five. That's the husband's sections, loving our wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy and cleansing her. Um, just, it's such a good reminder of the necessity of keeping this passage anchored. I think so too. I I really love it. I think it's really, it's it. I don't. I, it seems like the the focus has always been on the submission part for mm-hmm. wives, um, but I love that. The, the part for the husband seems almost more complicated. It's more involved. It mm. includes death. It's wives submit, husbands die. Like love mm. your, your wife in the way that Christ loved the church mm-hmm. um, because he's the head of the household. So he carries this greater responsibility, which we're going to see in the next few verses as we start talking about the children and everybody else in the household. Yeah. Well, and one thing I'd love to bring out before we move on to, to children and other household relationships 
is just what it looks like for us to submit mm. to one another. Because um, it's, it's a, a weird concept. It's not something that we talk about that much in our current culture. Uh, but I thought the passage in Philippians 2 uh, that talks about how we do relate to each other could be helpful for understanding this. Um, this is Philippians 2, verses 2 through 7, where Paul says in another context— or I'm sorry, it's three through seven. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Mm. I think that's just a helpful Thing for all of our relationships, but especially for a marriage relationship. I think so. It's really killing that desire to put um, our needs and our wants first, mm-hmm. um, and instead putting putting the needs and the desires of the people we love before ours. Yeah, and and keeping that focus on ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. am I putting my husband's needs ahead of mine? Am right. I am I considering his interests before my own? Am I doing that because I want to have the same mind as Christ Jesus? Yeah, And this is a way I think that helps, especially women who struggle with the concept of submission. Absolutely. It helps us remember this isn't some way to try to make women feel like a doormat. This is actually elevating women to do the same thing that Christ did. Exactly. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a funny story when uh, Rick and I were engaged. Um, My dad (laughs) gave, gave Rick a phone call and he goes, I just want you to know. That Heather is not the submissive type. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know what what idea my dad had. Because <laughs> I think it's always looked different differently for us, uh, where it's always been more a partnership than anything. Well, I don't um, want to put you completely on the spot, but as yeah. someone who maybe doesn't have a quote unquote submissive personality. <laughs> What? How have you had that play out for you? How That's do you? That's an interesting question. Submit in a way a, that you feel good about. I think what he meant is that I have a strong personality and sure. very strong opinions. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, but you know what? For me, I think it's really just been understanding and and going at this relationship with my husband with an attitude of how do we do this together. How do we end up on the same side of the line mm-hmm. um, rather than than fighting about it? When we do fight about things, it's really trying to understand what is it that we're actually fighting about? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, is there selfishness in me that I need to address mm-hmm. um, in order to move forward? And there's definitely been times where I've had to just be like, you know what, Lord, we don't agree, but I really trust this guy that I'm married to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and even, even in a little snarky moment, probably like, well... <laughs> I mean, it's his fault. This goes wrong. I'm going to yeah. submit. Yeah. Uh, but it's always been an, an attitude of mutual understanding, and, and we go at things together. It, it's never, ever felt like in our marriage, at least, where it's been like, Heather, you must submit to Rick. <laughs> Well, I like some of the the things you were bringing out because it helps us again remember that that marriage and the the relationships we have within our household is practice ground mm-hmm. for relationships that we have outside our house yeah. too. And uh, and as we kind of rumble through the relationship with our spouse, that is, um, I don't know, like a relational gym, so to speak. Yeah. 
for developing the kind of character that helps us be gentle and patient and forbearing with other people. I think so. I think that my marriage, we, you know, we've been married for over 22 years now. And I think that it's been a great place for us to build and develop leadership skills for relationships outside of marriage. Mm -hmm. Which probably is why Paul was um, adding in this household code, Mm -hmm. so to speak, to say, you know, the relationships you have behind closed doors are where you really are working this out. Right. And, uh, and so we've talked now about wives and husbands. Paul also talks about children and then later slaves or servants, depending on what translation you're looking at. So mm-hmm. why don't we, we move forward to chapter six and look at what he has to say about children and parents. Would you like to read that section for us? Sure. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say that I think my children have probably seen me at my worst. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, because even when I've been short or harsh with Steve, he can, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's got maturity to be able to absorb that and respond to it as an adult. Yeah. Uh, But but I'm grieved almost more so by the times when my children have seen me lose my cool. Oh, my gosh. And uh, and when I have not lived out the way that Paul has told us we should be living. And uh, and so I'm I'm humbled by Paul, including this section on the relationship of children and parents. I think so, too. I really think so, too. It's. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's humbling when you realize that your worst day is is something that your child will probably remember. Mm-hmm. Mine do. Mm-hmm. They remind me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it keeps us honest. And again, if, if this is a way for us to keep that spotlight on ourselves and to see, you know, how are we doing with this? Mm-hmm. Are we loving sacrificially? Um, you know, and God does seem to give that sense of sacrificial love maybe more naturally in the parent-child relationship than any other relationship. Yeah. Um, this is this is a great place for us to practice those skills. I think so. It's a, I mean, parenting, it, it's no joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, you learn so many things about yourself, but there's so many opportunities in, in parenting to teach our own children about how to treat other people, mm-hmm. including apologizing when we're wrong. Mm-hmm. And if we do, you know, in some way, discourage our kids and the way that we talk. It's an opportunity to heal that relationship and make it stronger Mm -hmm. and to rebuild trust. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazingly respectful of Paul here to give instruction to children. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul, and in that culture, they often would have given instructions to the more dominantly powerful person Mm -hmm. in a relationship. But here, Paul is also reminding children, you're not excluded from the sense of of demonstrating godly community in the unity of the body of Christ. Yeah. You have a role to play in this you too. Do. And you know, and for children, this is how you're going to model this and uh, and work this out, um, as well as the instruction to the fathers as well. And I think that's kind of lovely. I think so too. I wonder if there's a little humor stuck in there um, when I'm reading um, verse. Three, if you honor your father your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. <laughs> it makes me think maybe your life won't be so long if you're not listening to your parents. See the so-called <laughs> I brought you into this world and I can take you out line. <laughs> maybe for 
biblical perspective. I don't think Paul had heard that line yet, but <laughs> maybe, not. <laughs> maybe not. It made me laugh, but it did make me wonder about that section. Why do you think they would put something in there that talks about living a long life by by honoring your mm. your father and mother? It's it's very much like Proverbs, mm-hmm. isn't it? It 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 kind of echoes that sense of. Um, if you live according to godly principles, mm-hmm. things will go better for you. Yeah. And uh, and what a good message for children to right. begin to internalize at a young age. Right. Mm. Well, let's transition to the final section on slaves and masters, or some translations will say servants. Um, and I think it's just important note here before we go into this that oftentimes what we think of as slavery is not necessarily the same thing that Paul was speaking about. Now, it doesn't mean that there weren't people who were still in bondage to a master that weren't still literally enslaved, um, but but many of the people that were living in households that he was writing to were more like indentured servants mm-hmm. than what we think of in, uh, in the unfortunate um, American slavery system. Yeah, I and, agree. And I and it's important to remember as well that Paul's writing to a time when this was part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Having people work for you in your household um, as servants was was a normal part of everyday life. You yeah, know, I wonder was. if there are areas mm-hmm. in our lives today where Paul would, would pull them out and be like, and we somebody else would go, oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't believe it. Uh, I'm but. sure there's plenty of things in our culture that that uh, we will cringe about in mm-hmm. centuries to come, but, right. but feel normal now because we've made peace with it. Right. And the fact that Paul doesn't say anything against slavery in this context doesn't mean that he's necessarily condoning the right. practice. But like you say, it just it was part of the fabric of their society. Right. And so rather he's looking at so how do you do this well? Mm-hmm. You know, if if it is what it is right now, yeah, what can be demonstrated here? And uh, I think for the sake of time, why don't we skip reading through sure. the rest of it? But uh, but I think it's it's a helpful perspective, again, if we remember the beginning two verses of chapter five. You know, how are you going to relate to each other with this sense of sacrificial love? Right. You know, so how does someone who's in the role of a slave or a servant and, you know, and we, I think, can fairly extend that to the way that we would view employees. Absolutely. Now, whether, you know, if someone is being paid for work or if we're doing a volunteer job or or just anyone who's in that role, mm-hmm. um, you know, how are we doing that behind closed doors? Exactly. You know, I love what um, Rick said on Sunday morning. He It was a quote by Lecrae, mm. which was basically live like somebody died for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, how does that apply every day? And I felt like this probably applies in this situation as well, where really you're doing your best is unto the Lord and everything that you do, you're going to honor him and the way that you work and the way that you serve other people. Uh, for those of us who are employers, it's, it's you know, how are we treating our employees as unto the Lord mm-hmm. in everything that we do? Right, because ultimately, it's not necessarily the human that we're working for. We are working for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the way that we conduct ourselves in our jobs or in any kind of way that we are serving someone else is a reflection of how we're serving the Lord. Absolutely. We're the hands and feet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the flip side is true, too. As an employer, the way that we treat people Mm -hmm. that are working for us is a reflection of how we understand how the Lord treats us. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, are we as employers more gracious Mm -hmm. than maybe someone may expect? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, and there we we didn't read it, but but I'll just look at the end of it here when it's saying to the masters to not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So ultimately, all people, <laughs> we're all called to recognize that we're being watched by our good God in heaven. Yeah. And uh, and we are held responsible for how we are living out these practices when no one's watching. Right. Or when people are watching that uh, we tend to let our guard down with, whether it's our spouse or our children or people that are in our homes that we've become kind of callous to putting on that brave face for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a great reminder. I'm glad that Paul included the section in here to zoom in on uh, on how we live out the life of of United Body of Christ. Yeah, around me too. people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for coming in today, Heather, to talk about this. Before before we close off, I'd love to just pray for us both and great. and all of us listening. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for your word and how immensely practical it is. Thank you for these living and active words that speak as powerfully to us today as they did when Paul wrote them. Um, Lord, I just ask that you would help each one of us to uh, be filled with your spirit so that we can do the challenging work of being patient and humble and gentle, forgiving and peaceful and seeking to live in unity with all people, even the people that we live with. And sometimes it's even harder to do that with the people that we live with than people that we see at church or just out in the community. But we do want to be people of integrity that live that same kind of Christ-love-filled life right behind closed doors as we do anywhere else. God, we know we can do that through the power of your Spirit, and so we ask for that now. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, a production of Autumn Ridge Church. We appreciate the technical assistance provided by Josiah Novinger, Ian Benoit, Robert Nash, and others from our wonderful staff. We'd love to hear your comments or questions on this or any other episode, and you could reach us at women at autumnridgechurch.org.